temperament that neither derives great pleasure from being with the crowd or against the crowd. Because this is not a business where you take polls, it's a business where you think. Man has gone far toward matching some of the capacity of the human brain. He has done it with imagination. Hey, what is up everyone? I'm Matthew Chan and welcome back to The Intrepid. In today's episode, we've got a very, very special guest. He was featured on Billboard's Techstars Demo Day 2020, led the development and integration of Tesla's dual motor powertrain architecture, and is the founder and CEO of Autogo Labs. Armin Nazarian, welcome to The Intrepid. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. I just wanted to say to, uh, because I'm using the Autogo right now to record my voice, it really is a very impressive piece of tech. And I was also curious, so the name Autogo itself, uh, I thought was pretty genius. Is it audio on the go, Autogo, is that right? That Yeah, that's where it originated from. Um, you know, went through a pretty extensive naming process, had, you know, maybe a hundred different names that we were thinking through and and that one just kind of really was resonating and, and, and made sense to me. Were there any were there any funny ones in there that you can share? Um, not that I remember, but, you know, there's, there's a lot that, it's kind of hard finding a name. You got to do domain diligence and find a find a domain name, do all your social media diligence. So landed on Autogo and, and it's it's been working out well for us. Yeah, well, it's a real cool name. <clears throat> so uh, to kick us off, can you give our audience a quick idea of Autogo Labs, who you guys are and what you do? Yeah, so the mission of the company really is to make professional quality audio and video content creation accessible for everybody. Um, we do this in a super unique way which is that we have a fully integrated platform. So we actually design and manufacture our own smart wireless microphones that pair seamlessly with our own mobile app. Uh, that mobile app gives you studio capabilities anytime, anywhere, as well as the ability to record 4K video and have the audio from our microphone synchronized to it. Uh, we also have the Audigo Cloud, which ties that all together and enables these uh, streamlined workflows for creators. So. You can do remote podcasting, for example, uh, live broadcasting, and just a whole new level of streamlined data management. Yeah, that's sweet. All right, so I wanted to start us off at the beginning. Where are you from? Hard question, where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Lexington, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Wow. And then up until before you went to college, like in high school, did you have any uh, particular interests or hobbies? Yep. Um, was like pretty big into baseball growing up. Um, and then at some point started playing music and, you know, in high school kind of realized that uh, I was never going to be a very good athlete. <laughs> so uh, really just decided to double down on, on music. I, I'm a drummer, so I was playing a ton of jazz and uh, in different rock bands in high school. And, and um, that kind of became just a huge part of my life as a high school student. Um, and then also just kind of started getting into entrepreneurship a little bit, if you want to call it that. I mean, it, looking back on it, it was just a lot of little side hustles here and there. Um, but that was the type of stuff that was getting me excited at the time. What type of side hustles? Was it like lemonade stands? So it was a mix of everything. Like, uh, first one was tried to start a custom frame, like picture frame manufacturing company. Uh, there was some concert ticket arbitrage, buying and selling stuff on Craigslist and eBay, like you name it, it full yeah. full spread. 
Yeah, no, I think I think I do the same thing. Like I'm trying to make sauces right now to salt my farmer market, the local farmers market. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what type of person do you think you were back then? Were you usually seen with the popular kids, or were you the type who usually had their head buried in a book? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was somewhere in between. I was definitely a bit of like a band nerd. Um, <laughs> hung out with uh, all the musicians, um, but I don't know. I feel fortunate. Like I, I don't, I don't, I never felt that my high school was like super divided in that way but um i like to just try to spend time with um friends who kind of were pretty broadly distributed across the spectrum and were into different things would you say um because you said you you're you're a drummer correct yeah yeah that's right would your i guess your did you have an obsession for mics because i know there are a lot of musicians who, who collect mics they have yeti and whatnot all the different brands yeah i would say maybe the opposite like um we, you know, the band that I was in in high school, we would um, record as often as we could in my parents' basement. And I was always the one in the band, like trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this sound better? How do we make this sound better? And there was just like a lot of pain and frustration in my mind, you know, with, with the recording process. Um, so for me, it, it's, it's more about like, I've always valued being able to have a recording of yourself as just like this amazing thing that you can keep um, as kind of like the end result of something you've created. Um, but really found the journey there, like typically to be pretty cumbersome and painful. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, I guess in high school that you, um, you, you realized that there was this problem in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't thinking about it that way at the time. What really, what happened for me was fast forward, maybe 12 years or something. Um, my band in San Francisco was trying to record a demo um, for a gig at uh, a venue up here. And we ended up putting a phone in the middle of the room. We recorded something. We had to put it on SoundCloud and it just sounded terrible. We were all like kind of embarrassed by it. Um, and, and for me, I was like, oh, okay. I remember what, I remember this was a problem like 10, 12 years ago, but smartphones weren't really even a thing back then. Like so much has changed. There must have been this whole evolution that happened. And I was like, let me go figure out what the good solution is today. And what I found was like, not that much had changed. Um, and so that's really when kind of I started thinking about like, okay, if you took a little bit more of an integrated solution approach to this, how could you actually create something that is a little more aligned with how people are actually creating with creating and engaging with content today, which is in a lot more dynamic, collaborative, mobile centric kind of way. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess in high school, uh, what did you see yourself doing for a career? Because I wouldn't expect, I guess, I guess you, you did bring up that you saw this, this issue uh, in high school, but I wouldn't expect most high schoolers to stay in audio company. So what did you see yourself doing as a career? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I didn't really know. Um, what I did know is I, I loved, um, you know, the entrepreneurial stuff. Um, I, I got really excited by just this idea of being able to create value out of nothing, um, kind of, you know, where you start a company and, and the amount of value you're able to create is kind of like limitless potentially. Um, so I always in high school was planning to start my own business. I was thinking I'll go to college and then I'll never, I'll never have a normal job. Um, you know, and I was like pretty set on that actually until, uh, a few years into college and, and started seeing exciting things that were happening in the world. And I was like, oh, okay, it would actually be pretty exciting to be a part of this. But when I was applying to schools, fully focused on business, 
uh, was applying to, you know, undergraduate business programs. And then it wasn't actually until uh, my senior year where I took a, uh, a physics class that I loved. Um, and the idea of doing more engineering, like really started resonating with me. So picked up the phone um, and called uh, Washington University, which is where I went and said like, hey, I'm, I'm coming to do business uh, in a few months there, but uh, would actually love, love to do engineering too. Um, and they were able to, you know, set up a dual degree uh, program wow. for me. So that's what I ended up doing. It took five years, but um, it's kind <laughs> of like got the best, the best and the worst of both worlds, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real cool. So I guess going back to the that high school thing, because I, I guess when I was in high school too, I always told myself, oh, I don't ever want to be a desk jockey. I don't ever want to work for the man. And then I get into college, like, oh God, man, starting a company is definitely a lot harder uh, than I thought it was. So did you did you also run into that same challenge? Um, that you know that for me, it was really just. Um, you know, in school, kind of started going more down the engineering route, um, found opportunities that I was super excited about. I did the Formula SAE team uh, at Washington University and kind of found automotive uh, as a really interesting application for engineering. Um, so I got really into that. And through that, I kind of learned about Tesla. And when I was getting close to graduating, I think, you know, the thought again came up of like, would it make sense to just start a company now or um, go work somewhere where they're doing like really incredible things and have that experience. And, uh, you know, the scale kind of shifted for me, uh, over time. And at, at the time of graduation, it was just kind of a no brainer. Like there are opportunities out there for me that are, um, too exciting to pass up. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to college, um, similar question to, to what you were like in high school, did you see anything in yourself that changed in your personality that changed in college like your mindset i don't think so um you know i i really love the experience overall i think uh um i feel i feel really grateful for making great friends there uh, taking some interesting classes and and diving diving deep into the formula sae thing i think one thing that was interesting to me as uh as kind of a student going through the engineering path was there's definitely a transition where you kind of take things from theoretical to practical um and there is like one shift i think that that happened for me which is like you finally understand what engineering is for example in in that path and for me what that meant was like you try something really hard and it doesn't work and you keep trying and it doesn't work and you keep trying and then eventually you figure it out. And like, I think as an engineer, until you've done that, it's, it's really, you haven't really gotten the full engineering experience. Um, like that's, yeah. that's a part of it. So I think one thing that I appreciated was that that struggle is just kind of part of the, of the journey. It's part of what being an engineer is. And that applies directly to being an entrepreneur and, and starting a company, like, uh, until you've kind of, you know, if, if all you ever do is things that work super well the first time, you in a way, you haven't really uh, gotten the full experience. So I think, you know, that was one of the biggest transitions, I guess, and, and learning points for me. Yeah, so it's that through that trial and error where you derive satisfaction, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And and the things that are, like, hardest to do are definitely the most satisfying once, once you've done them. 
Yeah. So uh, in your third year at, is it you guys, isn't the abbreviation for Washington University, Wash U, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So at Wash U, uh, you, you land an internship at Tesla, right? Yeah. So it was actually, um, I did five years. So I, I wanted to get one between my third and fourth year, um, but I only, I was studying abroad. So I only had like six weeks of time. So um, I talked to them and they were like, oh, maybe try again next year. So I tried again the next year. Um, and got it between uh, my senior and super senior years. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, moved out to Palo Alto uh, for, the, for the summer for about 12 weeks. Sweet. You said you studied abroad. Where'd you, where'd you go? Uh, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Yeah. What was it like over there? Watching it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, a lot of fun. It was a good time. All right, sweet. Uh, and then I guess I, I wanted to give the audience some perspective. So you joined Tesla as an intern in 2012, right? Uh, and 20, at, yeah, 2011, actually, as an intern. 2011. Yeah. Oh, and it was the Model S wasn't even released until 2012 at the time. Yep. Yeah, when I was an intern, I think they had maybe like six uh, beta prototypes built of the Model S, and that was it. So when you took that intern position at Tesla, how long were you thinking you'd actually stay at the company? I mean, when I interned there, my focus was just like, let me learn as much as possible from this internship. And like, for me, that was like, it was definitely drinking from the fire hose, so to speak. Like you just show up and people start giving you stuff to do and they're giving you like real work, like real interesting problems to solve. Um, that are generally open-ended and, um, you know, they were like, we need somebody to write a, um, a manufacturing piece of software. Uh, and I had no Python experience. So they gave me like a, a Python book and said, go learn Python. Um, so, you know, my goal was just like, okay, I got 12 weeks. Let me go in, uh, learn as much as possible, make a good impression and see if there's going to be an option to come back. Um, when I ended up accepting the full-time offer in, in my mind, I was like, ah, I'll be there for like one year, maybe two, and then I'll go start my company, not knowing what that company would be. Um, and it, it, you know, looking back on it, it was like super naive, but every, every, every year that went by, there was just this like next really exciting thing that for me, I was like, I can't walk away from this right now. This is too cool. Um, or I'm like having too much fun doing what I'm doing. So, um, that yeah. just kept moving out and out and out for sure. Uh, would you say, I guess Tesla at the time, did it still have a, a startup vibe to it? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say Tesla today even oddly still has a startup vibe to it just in the sense of like the, the amount of work that there is to be done is, you know, multiples greater than the amount of people there to do it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's constantly like you know, people are constantly just working super hard, working together, being really creative about solving problems um, and just trying to push things really fast and aggressively. And I felt that was constant from, you know, pretty much the whole time I was at the company. Yeah. Did you ever, uh, did you ever get to meet Elon? Um, I did. I, I, uh, I did briefly and it, you know, I presented something to him and it went fairly well. So I was grateful. <laughs> was it, was it that, was that, that, uh, drivetrain or whatever it's called the architecture it was actually um it was the uh for model x there was like a whole software feature set for uh trailering so like pulling a trailer um yeah. so i was i was leading up that effort 
So that's also oh, like in I all those Instagram sharing. posts, in all those Instagram posts where I see um, the Model X pulling airplanes or whatever. That, that was you. Part partly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely was wow. was partly involved in that. <laughs> that's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, so you end up staying at Tesla for roughly seven years, right? So I was there um, full time for about five and a half, actually. Um, yeah, so five and a half, six years. So five and a half, six years, and you climbed your way up to an engineering manager. Um, yeah, that's right. And it, I guess I was looking at your LinkedIn, and, and it seemed to me that you almost suddenly left Tesla to start Autogo. Um, like it, it just came out of your back pocket. It, like where did that idea come from? You left a stable job like that. Um, well, you know, again, like I, since I was in high school, just like always knew this was something I wanted to do, um, and it for the longest time, it was just like, is this other thing I've got going on? Like, it was like so exciting, too compelling to to leave Tesla. And, and I was kind of felt like I was putting the other thing on, on hold to an extent. Um, and at some point, like, it just felt like the right time. Um, definitely a hard decision, for sure. Um, definitely miss the people there and like working on the products there. But um, definitely, you know, it's been the right decision for me. In terms of actually getting to the point to kind of pull the trigger and and like say okay like this this is it, um, it wasn't as sudden as it might look from just looking at LinkedIn. Like <laughs> I, I had been thinking for a while about you know you know kind of have like the the ideas notebook like what are the different things that might make sense to try to turn into a company and probably about a year before I left, um, I you know because I had no time while at Tesla to really like think about these things um, in a super in-depth way. I was just like super busy with work. I actually took a week off from work, um, told people I was traveling, so like, don't bother me. Um, and I just stayed in my apartment for a week. I did a staycation. Um, and like one day of each uh, of the week, like every day, I evaluated a different business idea that I had. Um, and like one of them was like a mochi ice cream company. Um, and the other one was Autogo. Um, and another one was like a travel uh, website. Or service, I kind of went through them and just like Autogo very clearly became uh, the most, the one I was most excited about, the one I thought had the most potential. And so, really spent like the next year or so just thinking a little bit more about it in the background, starting to do, to do a tiny bit of work here and there um, until I had the conviction, uh, you know, internally that this was going to be something worth pursuing. Um, and then at that point, made the decision. Yeah, so like you're weighing the opportunity costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you? What, I'm curious. What did the people around you say um, say to you when you left Tesla I to think, start a startup? I think they, I think they got it actually. Like, um, I think you know, if I had said I was leaving to go to a competitor or something, they would have been like, "Oh, like what? You know, don't do that. That's a terrible idea." Um, but I think when when you leave leave something like that and um, to start your own company, I think people around you generally understand that like it's just something you have to do or something that you're like really set on doing, um, and it's not a conversation at that point of like you should stay. It's like oh okay, like we wish you the best of luck. Like go, you know, go do a great job. Um, like we'll support you. Um, and yeah. you know, I still keep in touch with everybody there. They've been, they've been super supportive. 
Yeah. When you left, uh, what was your what was your feeling? What, did you feel excited? Did you like? I'm guessing like you didn't have the stability of a job. So what was it like? Definitely took uh, you know. Uh, I think the first six weeks or so, definitely <laughs> took it pretty easy. Started working on Autogo like almost immediately, but um, definitely just appreciated a little bit of calm in my life. Um, so that was good. I mean, it, like five and a half years there is uh, is a long time. Um, takes a, probably a few years off your life, but um, all yeah. totally worth it. So I just kind of enjoyed relaxing a little bit um, and then was just excited about what I was doing next and there was just so much to learn. So, you know, before starting the company, didn't know much about uh, electrical engineering or how to build a prototype circuit board, had never written an app. Um, so really just like spent the first two years of the company almost, first year and a half, two years, just kind of learning, um, kind of trying to figure out like, okay, if I'm gonna lead this company um, in a technical space that's pretty different than the one that I came from, what are the things I need to learn and understand? And that opportunity was just super exciting. So mentally, I almost treat it as like, this is my master's degree. You know, like some people leave their job and go, you know, pay a bunch of money to get a master's degree. For me, it was just leaving a job and going to start a company, but but learning, learning uh, a ton in the process. Yeah. So, um, you, you, you officially leave Tesla and, and you're working on Audigo. How long were you uh, a solo entrepreneur and when did you start recruiting for other people? Yeah. So, um, like fully solo, probably for a year and a half and then brought on a couple, um, contractors, uh, first full-time hire came first full-time hire and outside funding came in, uh, two years into that, into that journey. So, uh, a little over a year ago now, last February, uh, is when we brought on our first full-time team member. Um, and now we're a team of four. We're still a pretty small operation. Um, but, uh, it's been, it's been a fun, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah. You said you, you got your first amount, uh, your first funding from, uh, uh, I guess, was it two years ago that you said? It was, one, it was a little over one year ago. A little, yeah. a little over one year ago. So I'm guessing, yeah. did, were you trying to get funding uh, within that one, that one period, that one year period uh, after you left and then um, to when you actually got funding? Like how many times? Yeah, so it was, probably, it was probably like a year and a half of not seeking funding um, and then about six months of uh, looking for funding before, before it came in, mm. um, before we were able to close the round of funding yeah and within those six months how many uh how many no's do you think you got Ooh. um the no's are actually better than the uh the no replies like you get ghosted a lot which is which is <laughs> tough but um i don't know somewhere with like 50 60 50 60 and how'd you how'd you yeah. i guess bounce back from each of those no's um you know i think i think it was interesting because as a solo founder with no team at the time, it's, it's a, it's, it's even, it's a little trickier because you're either moving the business along or you're fundraising. And if you go fundraise, then like all progress stops. So that six months wasn't just like an onslaught of meetings the whole time. It was like, go have some meetings, try to understand like where we're coming up short. Um, you know, and then do like a three week sprint to maybe 
uh, get the product a little bit farther along. Uh, and so like part of that was like what I was able to demo from meeting number one to like the final meeting across those six months evolved quite a bit. Uh, and at the end I had something that I think was able to just better capture, you know, the full opportunity of what I had envisioned and was building. Um, then I was able to present when I first started taking those meetings and there's just a ton of learning. Uh, even that whole process is just a learning experience in and of itself. Yeah. What would you say that feeling was when you got the first yes for funding or for, for like an investor? Pretty good. Um, it's funny though. Like it, it kind of feels this way for every big milestone. You finally get to it and then you realize what it unlocks and what you now have to deliver and like how long the road ahead is like the road ahead is always way longer than the road you've come down. Mm -hmm. So you get the funding and you're like, okay, we've got the funding. Like now I need to go hire a team. And like, there's not that much time for celebration. It's like, you know, you, you enjoy, like you have a good afternoon that day. Um, and then you're like, okay, I probably should spend Saturday and Sunday on LinkedIn, like trying to find a team. <laughs> so did Audigo have the typical garage startup setup or was it a little more upscale than that? Would you say? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bare bones. Um, you know, and I, I came from Tesla where like they would, uh, you know, sometimes we got free cereal, but sometimes we didn't, you know, it was like pretty, <laughs> It was, it was not like a super, super cushy startup experience there. Um, no, we've, we've been, we've been pretty bare bones. Um, we, we basically, uh, as soon as I brought on our first team member, uh, we went down to LA at the start of 2020 for the Techstars Music Accelerator. Supposed to be there for 13 weeks. Um, we're there for about seven before COVID kind of brought everything to a halt. Uh, so since then, we've all just been working from home. Um, occasionally the team gets together for, uh, you know, to build some prototype product, uh, and those are super fun days where we all get to hang out and go have lunch and, or go have dinner and like, but that's like kind of the, uh, the extent of it. Otherwise we're, we're basically all working from home. Yeah. Would you say there are uh, any funny early garage stories or during like the demo day? Cause I know with Steve jobs and Steve Wozniak, they both got mononucleosis for soldering for two days straight. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think the whole like go down to LA, you know, pack up my whole apartment full of stuff only to have to bring it all back a few weeks later, uh, is pretty crazy. Um, our first hire, Ken, I basically, you know, had been meeting with him for a couple weeks leading up to that accelerator. And in like the span of like two days, um, basically brought him on board and then booked him an Airbnb, uh, like a day later. And then like, was at his house getting stuff to like move down to LA. So like, that was also just kind of like a really interesting quick turnaround on just like making things happen. Um, so there's a lot of things like little things like that, where it's just like rallying around a specific milestone, I think always brings these like kind of fun little anecdotes with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. At the founding of Audigo, um, I guess when you're back in your apartment for those six weeks, what was the goal that you're trying to set for, for the company, that casting vision? Yeah. I mean, 
I think my biggest takeaway from my time at Tesla and definitely how I view what we're doing here is just if you can create an integrated product experience, like the amount of flexibility that you have in the product and the amount of value you can create is pretty much limitless. Like it creates a lot of opportunity um, and a lot of opportunity to move quickly and to innovate and to do things differently than, than your competitors. So that fully integrated platform has always been kind of at the very core of what we're doing. And the thing that we want to deliver, which has also been very core to the vision is just making things as easy and seamless as possible for people because creating that content for so many people is like this. It's like the secondary act of what they actually want to be doing. If you're a musician, like your goal is not necessarily to be a video producer. It's to be a musician who puts out good content. Uh, and so we want our tools to just be fully out of the way of the creative process and just completely supporting it. And that integration is really the one thing that enables it. And so those two things have like, they go hand in hand. They've been super core to everything we've done and every decision that we make on the hardware, on the mobile app and in the cloud as well. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that this, this product is, is quite amazing because I can, I can literally stick it in my pocket and bring it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say there are ever any times you wavered in that vision or lost, lost motivation? Um, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of, uh, feedback whiplash. Um, and the accelerator program was actually super valuable in that sense. Like I would be meeting with, it would be like 15 to 20 minute meetings with just a bunch of different people from the music and entertainment industry like back to back to back meetings, tell them about your company, tell them what you're doing. Uh, and everybody has their own opinion on like, uh, this will work best for podcasting. It's not that interesting for music or, or vice versa. Um, I don't think professionals will use this or I don't think amateurs will use this. Like there's a lot of that. And I think the important thing is just like, you need to find a way to like average out all that feedback um, and kind of take what you want from it um, but still kind of have that confidence in the vision. Um, and then make sure along the way that you are validating the, the things that you have high conviction on, um, so that you're not just like chasing something that is not going to make sense in the long run. Yeah. I feel like, uh, with startups, they usually have, uh, I guess in my experience that it has that last, that last mouth syndrome where it's hard to, you're really close to pushing out a product but then you lose motivation. And I guess, did you ever hit one of those low points? And then how did you bounce back from those low points? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, not exactly as you're describing it, but I think one of the, one of the hard things is just like, uh, I set pretty ambitious schedules for myself, for our team, like we plan pretty ambitiously. Um, and the reality is like those things don't always work out. Um, and so I think the most important thing is to have some opportunities to like actually pause and reflect and say like, Oh, okay. I wanted to, I wanted to have this done. We wanted to have like 20 units to testers by this month. Uh, and we're here now and we haven't, but like at least pause there and look back and look at what you've done even in the past two weeks, four weeks, two months, 
um, because it's always surprising when you're when you're so like goal focused and you're just focused on the destination. It's pretty easy to like not pay attention or appreciate how much you've gotten done. Um, and so we we work in two week sprints. At the end of every sprint, we take time to actually just go through and say like, here's all the stuff that we got done, um, and that always feels good. And I think like even if the schedule doesn't always feel like we're winning against this like really difficult schedule, we've always got kind of this backwards looking exercise that we can do um, to feel good about where we've come in the past couple weeks or couple months. Yeah, that reflection seems really, really effective. So when did you first feel, um, I guess, like you knew when you really, you, you got something here? Like, was it when you had that first yes with the investors or what was it? Um, I think I think a really exciting part was like the first demo where we recorded video through the app and had the audio from our wireless mic synchronized back to it seamlessly. Um, and that was cool because like that was really the first point where our product was enabling functionality or a type of content that wasn't really possible otherwise. Like you could take the camera and like have the person who was talking be super far away and still hear them perfectly. And that was like a very cool, that was a very cool moment. Um, along the way, it's really just been incremental validation. So, you know, we'll put the product in front of people that hold it. They'll be like, wow, this thing's so small. And you, you start getting more and more people using it. Uh, and that kind of confidence or feedback loop in terms of like, yeah, we're onto something starts, starts growing. And then on our side, for every feature we release, we kind of get that more positive reinforcement. Uh, and most recently, you know, we've, we've had the product out with, uh, over a hundred different creators at this point and just seeing the content that they're coming back with, um, stuff that we never even thought of that you could do with it, uh, is super exciting. It's just like really cool to, um, to see that. And, and that's definitely like the biggest piece of validation for us. Yeah. For you, what would you say the end goal with Audigo Labs is, is it a possible exit or what do you have in mind? Yeah. I mean... I would say like for me, I'm just excited to continue to grow what we're building. Like there's so far left to go that um, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to, to think about that. And like, uh, yeah, if one of those things happens, great. Um, but I think like the thing that excites me is just looking ahead at our roadmap, kind of like one year down the road, five years down the road what could this thing become? What could this company turn into setting really ambitious plans for that? And then, you know, just executing on it and making it happen. Who are the people we need to hire to make that happen? What's the funding we need to raise to make that happen? And just like going out and doing it and just seeing ultimately like how much value can, can we create yeah. as a team, as a company? Yeah. There's a certain excitement involved with it. Yep. So we've made it to the, the last few questions, and these are the same questions we ask all our guests on the Intrepid. It's kind of a, a quick fire. So you ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. So everyone knows starting a company, let alone one that makes hardware, that makes a hardware product, is not for the faint-hearted. It's difficult, and it taxes a per person both physically and mentally. What do you think sets you apart from other people and that you could stomach such a lifestyle? Oh, uh high tolerance for stress 
previous work experience was really great for that. Um, Formula SAE in college was really great for that. Just uh, kind of being comfortable with chaos, things not going well, and just having like having enough things that have gone wrong that you've made it through to the other side that having all those things go wrong and multiple things go wrong for you at the same time, like, isn't a big deterrent. I think that's, that's definitely like a big, a big thing. What advice do you wish you had when you were first starting Autogo Labs? Mm, I think I might've had this advice. I probably wish I had like taken it more. Um, probably like, just surrounding myself with more people who had gone through the process in kind of just like a more of like a mentorship kind of way. Um, so just having uh, a broader set of people who I could pick up the phone and talk to or go get coffee with um, to just understand like if the way that I'm thinking about sequencing things for the company over time makes sense and like are the things that I'm focusing on now at this super early stage, are they really the important things? Uh, and, you know, some of that is just like, being a little bit stubborn and having to learn the hard way, the hard way. And like some of it, I kind of wish, um, I'd done a, a, you know, it would have been a little more efficient. I think if I had had a few more people to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. And they say like, you, you are the average of the cohort. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back, what advice would you give to your college self? Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to think like, there's a, there's a few things that I'm, I'm really glad I did the way that I did them. Uh, and one was not being entirely focused on academics. Like I definitely took advantage of the social life aspect of college. And like, that is the only time you get to do that. So, um, I would tell myself that like I would reinforce kind of that those decisions to just like be well balanced um, and just like enjoy that time with friends and um, make the most of it. Uh, and then I don't know, there's a few opportunities, like a few classes, a few courses that I kind of wish I had just taken more seriously um, or had like thought through in more of like an applications, like real real life applications. Mm-hmm. So like for anyone, I would just say like, find something you're interested in, find a real application for it, then go do it. Like you'll learn so much more doing it that way. There's classes where I'm like, oh, it would be really handy to like know about this now, but I never had like a real application for it. Yeah, yeah. in school. And lastly, what does success mean to you? Um, I think it's like you get somewhere and you look back on the road there and you're you've built good relationships and like you don't regret the time that you've spent um and like so far you know you asked me about leaving tesla so far like i look back on that and i'm like you know i miss the people there i have good relationships with them but like the the amount of fun and the amount of learning i've been having in running this company has been like an amazing experience so i I have no regrets there um, and as long as that kind of continues to be the case, I think it's like you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing. 
Uh, well, thank you so much, Armin, for making the time to come out here. Are there any final things you want to leave our audience with? Any last messages? No, I mean, I, I, I think this podcast is awesome. So um, super honored to be on it. Um, excited to check out future episodes. And thanks for having me. Yeah. You guys can learn more about Audigo Labs and pre-order Audigo at audigolabs.com. Thank you so much, Armin. Thanks, Matthew.